Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of Conversations with Z and Vin. And Z, we've been talking about a lot of different things. We've been talking about labels. We've been talking about cancel culture. And the common theme running through our discussions is who are you? So what defines you? What makes you tick? What ideas do you have? What governs your ideologies? All of these are important questions. And so much of the time, instead of discovering this on our own, we're subject to outside influence. If I just think about myself and the journey I've gone through in the last 10 years, for most of my life, I thought about myself as someone who was kind of weak, uh, who was more academic, uh, who was a Wall Street finance type. And that was the image that I had of myself. And in the last decade or so, as I've been evolving, I've been working on these projects that we've been talking about, like spoken word, you've told me that I'm a rapper. Uh, I've come to see myself physically in a different light. Uh, I feel a lot more powerful than I used to. And some of that was always there. In fact, all of it was always there. You commented on that the first time you saw me, uh, but I never had the right narrative. And maybe I felt it, but I couldn't express it. And uh, the labels that I'd become accustomed to using when I think about myself were very different from some of the directions I've gone since. Uh, so these labels can be extremely powerful because they define our reality they define our conceptions, our actions. And then we were talking about things like cancel culture, where just existing in the society becomes extremely confusing because you're supposed to have a certain point of view on what's right, what's not right. Certain ideas are okay, others aren't. It's unclear who's the arbiter of what's good and what's bad, how that changes. There's no accountability, no set standard. So what are you supposed to do? It becomes binding and constricting. And a lot of the fluidity we talk about uh, in terms of trying out different ideas, expressing different points of view, uh, using conflict as a tool to push ourselves forward, refine our thinking, evolve, we're unable to do that. So again, just like labels, with cancel culture, we get boxed in and confined into these small spaces. And we lose that fluidity. We lose a certain ability to fully express ourselves. Uh, maybe we shut down certain avenues that we can walk down personally or professionally. So all of this becomes very important. And we're always navigating this tension between who we are, what resonates with us fundamentally, versus what other people are telling us that we should be doing. So let's start off on this theme, Z. How do we navigate this? And going back to this, uh, the title of the podcast, who are you? How do we figure out who we really are? Vin, this is a, a, a really powerful subject for me. And, and I have uh, Caitlin and John Tan here. And we were all earlier in this wonderful flow of conversation. Because this is one of those things I see when it comes to people's health and wellness. Um, we are so laminated, coated with the 
themes of the outside world, this faceless committee, that we found ourselves now in a very binary culture. As the pendulum swings, and as you find yourself in the pendulum room, you either on the left or the right side of that room, there's no middle ground anymore in almost any area of life. And again, these are signs from prophecy. Uh, we won't go too far into that. But in the classic philosophies, they talk about troubling times. It's when now there is no middle path. And in the Tao, they said the, the, the way is the middle path. The road least trodden is the middle road. It is not the highest nor the lowest road. It is the road that is the most auspicious. So we're now finding ourselves on the right or the left, the high or the low, the black or the white, the this or the that. And as yin-yang theory teaches us, yin-yang is not binary, it's not correlative, nor is it dualistic. It is inclusive, it is in response to, it is interdependent on, on itself. So we think about that, we think about all these topics that come up. I was speaking to someone this morning about the issues of education and the arguments about how to teach American history. And a lot of people are upset and it's polarizing and people are pulling those kids out of school and, and it's making more and more people join uh, the, the radical groups on the right and uh, other groups on the left and all this over what? Education. Well, here's where we go. Were we miseducated? Does every culture lie about their heroes? Yes. Every culture makes themselves out to be the, the great guardians of human civilization, the most benevolent, the most kind. They delete genocide. They delete misogyny. They delete environmental corruption. They delete that because that doesn't serve the idea of the themes of patriotism to motivate people. When you talk about Great Britain, right? And people say, oh, they're, they're, Britain is an, a model country. There's no racism. No, there is. It's just done so well. As a comedian said, you don't even know they're being racist towards you. They simply exclude huge groups of people from British society. They have colonies where most of the savagery of colonialism was taking place off of the British territory and on to the various places where the empire had colonized. So they're dealing with kind of a social reckoning in that sense. There's also the United States. It has a, uh, a history of international intervention, of war adventurism, um, slavery that built the United States, cost the lives of hundreds of millions of people. And even to this day, it is a difficult topic to talk about because of the way history was taught. That those people's lives were not as relevant, not as significant. For years, you were told that Africa had no written language, no civilization, and no history until slavery started. So this was an incorrect teaching that went on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Then suddenly, somebody wakes up one day, and it wasn't sudden because I, I was always in schools that that explored the, from an anthropological point of view, the, the, the,
past of all civilizations. And I was raised that way, so none of this would surprise me. But for the average person who attended public school or even maybe private schools with an underlying theme of American ideology, then they never knew that there were civilizations and that people were not uh, of their own will brought here and it didn't save them from lions and tigers and bears by being whipped, beat, and raped in this country. So that's what history had taught. And even the people who suffer from that historic lesson believe that to be the way the world was. Most, uh, For example, most people of color are as racist against people of color as the average white person who maybe have unconscious bias or unconscious races. You think about the number of people who buy wigs or hair weaves in order to make their hair not look curly, skin lightening creams of all kinds. Uh, the ideas of success are often represented in mannerisms and where you live, your zip code. They've done research that's shown that people of color will spend far more for real estate in a white neighborhood than white people will just to say that they live near whites. So when you talk about how views of the world or racism has affected people, you can't just point one crosshair at one group and say, here it is. You also, we can't negate the benefits of that, nor can we also look at personal responsibility once you discover that. So in cancel culture, I think there are good things about it. Yes, we should cancel people who pollute the environment. Uh, a lot of people are against deregulating corporations, and I, I'm, I'm a pretty much a free market person. But when you start throwing a nuclear waste from your factory into the local water supply, or you pull a... Um, you pull the thing they did back east. What was it, Jante, where they polluted the water? Um, oh, um, uh, Flint. In Flint, Michigan, those people um, should suffer great penalties, should go to jail. Still don't have clean water. No one was held responsible. Um, that's the example of the free market unregulated that's problematic. So those people, yes, cancel these people. You have children that for the rest of their lives will need millions of dollars in medical attention because someone made a choice to put toxic water in the drinking supply of specific neighborhoods feeling that these people would not have a voice they would never complain and if they complained their complaints would go unheard it's very true so they took advantage of racism, understanding how it affects the society as a whole. These people were marginalized so you can pollute their water to the point where every child under 15 years old who grew up in this area will need a lifetime of mental health, medical care, neurological support because of the damage done to their body by the water. Should we cancel these people? Yes, they should never work again. And if, if, if anyone came to your home or your neighborhood and poured lead, mercury, and all these things in your drinking supply, knowingly did it, should they suffer a penalty? Yes or no. That's where we can be very binary. Will the law work for everybody? Regrettably, it's a great idea, but it doesn't work for everybody. You have other cases where there are comedians that tell jokes. Someone uh, doesn't like the joke. Uh, some keyboard warrior, um, some Twitter tyrant gets up there and tells everybody this is a bad person and they're forced to get up in front of everybody 
in a disingenuous way and apologize for telling a joke. What's purple needs people, purple people eater. Well, you just attack people eaters, you just attack people that like purple, and you just attack vegetarians. So you should no longer be able to speak or make a livelihood and you're damned to hell. So when we've let things get out of control like that, why did we let it happen? It's not that individual, why did we buy that? When did we decide to get off the stupid train? That's when you get off the stupid train. You can support anything, but hopefully to a limit. You saw in the last political cycle that very reasonable people fell into the cult of an individual who had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And many of these were good people. And I know a lot of cool people that some way were drawn in to a clown leader. I'm not sure why. But for me, again, I don't own the truth. I can only share my experience. I think being a game show host disqualifies you from being a global statesman. I think that numerous bankruptcies, um, lying about your eligibility to go to the military. I'll use the Muhammad Ali example. Muhammad Ali said he was a conscious objector. He had no desire to go fight other brown people for a white man, and that was against his belief, and for that he was penalized. Someone says their feet hurt, they get a hire a doctor who admitted that, hey, I never looked at his feet. You should not command the military. That's just me. If you claim that the Central Park Five should be lynched and you'd give millions of dollars to have them lynched and executed, and once you found out they were exonerated, you never came and apologized, eh, in that case, you should be canceled. In my book, not anybody else's book, other people, some of this stuff they don't even know. They found only redeeming qualities. And what I say is nobody is a saint. And nobody, and even the worst of people have redeeming qualities. So each of those things we should look at and weigh it in total. Let's weigh it all in total. And as an individual, take responsibility for yourself, your beliefs. So if you decide to overlook a priest's indiscretions in your religion, Will you overlook it everywhere else? If you say you can't overlook that everywhere else, then you might want to cancel yourself. So this is the dilemma we find ourselves in. And so when you think about, again, something that's dear to my heart is I love comedy. I love comedy. I'm never offended by comedians because they tell jokes, their gestures. They tell happy jokes, children's jokes, dirty jokes. <clears throat> if I don't like the joke, I don't have to listen to it. I can go and listen to a joke I like, buy my cranberry and 7-Up drink at the comedy bar, have a great laugh. I don't have to destroy that person's life, their livelihood, anything. That's the free market. I'll go somewhere else. And if somebody asks me, what do you think? Well, I like that comedian. I didn't like the others. So this is an example of the trying times we live in, politically, socially, emotionally. And I'm not sure if it has anything to do with generationally. I just know that there's a trouble with the generation that was raised without the visceral loop, that was raised with technology.
because it disconnects you from the effects we have on other humans. I watched part of some interview with the the, the Prince of Wales or whatever. What, what's the what's the guy's name? The, the King Harry or something? Charles. Yeah, you know oh. King Harry oh. and and the and the black girl. Prince. So the King Harry and the black girl are complaining, and she said, "Well, I almost committed suicide because of what the media had said about me." So now this is this is a challenge. I don't care what the media says about me. I understand they're, they're, they have a powerful role. They can destroy your reputation amongst people who are distant from you that causes stress on people that are near to you. But do we not have the power to hold our own space and not give away our own space to unseen, unknown, outside forces to the point where our own character is now compromised. Mm -hmm. Our own sense of self is in flight. It is vaporous. It no longer has substance because now we're trying to adjust to the likings of an unknown entity. Think about how that sounds. There's an unknown entity that's shaping your behavior and you have no sway over it. So, I. I the importance of who are you is, is as important as the I am meditation. This idea of cancel culture, I'm not for this thing that it's all bad. I think that Nazi um, sympathizers should be canceled. We've set that as a standard society. So do the people who support the Articles of the Confederacy. So you run around with a Confederate flag. I've always seen that when I was in the military. It's a problem. You knew that that guy had views, social views, that could put you and other people in danger. He, he, he waved that flag. It's an enemy flag. It represents an ideology that's being announced. It's just like somebody walking into an uh, airport and saying, I'm going to uh, do harm to everyone here. You take them at their word. Or if they wear a shirt that says, you know, 9-11 was a great day. You probably won't let that guy on a plane. Right? I believe that's that's a good way to look at Confederate flags, Blue Lives Matter flags. All these are in response to this anti-black kind of idea that the blacks are too loud, they're they're too ruckus, they're complaining about human rights violations when they should just suffer quietly, silently, and not really uh, get me uncomfortable. And that's one issue. You have an issue now that. <clears throat> um, this idea of saying the Chinese flu, people thought that was no problem. The president would get up every day, the former president would get up every day, the Chinese flu, the Chinese flu. Now they're running around beating the hell out of Chinese people. All Asians. Um, they're just attacking random Asians mm -hmm. under the guise of this. And people said, well, it's free speech. Um, we can't help. We said, no, you realize that we live in a world that has a intellectual deficiency. Most of the people in our society are special ed. They need special attention. We are not a society that, that admires intellect. Part of consumerism is you, don't, you can't sell a lot of stuff to smart people. So we've dumbed down the population as a fact of capitalism. A, a low intelligent population is one of the best things in the world for capitalism. Consume, consume, buy, buy, more, more. Doesn't take a lot of thinking, 
lot of discernment. This pair of blue jeans versus blue jeans are blue jeans. Boom, done. Okay, so, and you don't need that many pair of them. But because of what we've done as a society, we've dumbed down society so that that herd mentality and the pod mentality are very big things. Now we're seeing chickens come home to roost. We're seeing the downside of that. So now that you have the, uh, the Twitter tyrants, the keyboard warriors, in the cloak of darkness, people could just sit up all night and type, hunt you down and say you're a bad person. They can even dox you. Uh, what's the other thing? They can do deep fakes. Um, they can show you in uh, awkward sexual positions with horses when you never went to a racetrack. Uh, they have the technology to do that. John Tina's friend set up all night doing that. Caitlin, all these kids, they can do all that kind of stuff to you. They've done some horrible things to me. But because I don't participate in this, I don't care. I did notice people looking at me strange at my late, my, when I go get my brownie in the morning and they're checking their phones because they've doxed me or something. Uh, but I don't care because I'm, a, I'm an opt-out. I've opt-outed all this. So I, the, the, the thing is, is it gives us an, I think it gives us an opportunity to really take a bath, this abulation of the self. Who am I? Can you pick and choose what you go for? Do you have any underlying principles or ethics that you live your life by? The Yaksha Prasana in the Mahabharata has a, uh, is, a, is, is a lesson on ethics. For those of us who wish to weather this storm and fare well, maybe figure out what your own ethics are. Stick to that. Don't allow the faceless committee, the Twitter tyrants, the keyboard warriors, right? These, uh, these digital gladiators to beat you into submission without laying a blow on you. The kids are laughing at me because these are things that they, I don't know. They don't, they know that I'm, I'm not into it's this not stuff. That I'm laughing at the, the, Terms you're coming with, up with, just, like just darts, like just darts, digital warriors, the digital like, gladiators, yeah, the Twitter like, tyrants, and and it's just funny because they don't really have uh, an oh, ounce funny. of like that that's funny kind of. Uh, you know. That's 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 the thing. There's nothing we, to them, yeah. But they shape and influence the world. People have lost their jobs. Right. People are getting killed. People are hunted down. Yeah. People are are they they motivated people to attack Washington. They had other people siding with them and conspiring all online. All online. No 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 flesh in the game. No meat in the game. So you can would never throw wouldn't bust a grape as we used to say in the military. Would not bust a grape for the betterment of another human being. You have the rise of the influencer. This is another disease of society. That people can influence you. And then I'm starting to see them. Now they're having shows with influencers talking to influencers. And the other day there were two guys and they looked like Jabba the Hutt and the Pumpkin Pirate. And they were sitting up there uh, going on and on in some discourse about the way the world works. And they had never left the room. At this point, I don't know if they could have left the room because they were so grossly obese, they would have probably needed help getting up and being moved out of the room. 
They made so much money, they were covered with jewelry and, and gold, and they had uh, tailor-made uh, quadruple X uh, sweatshirts on and things like that. And I'm saying, why would you ever listen to these people? What they have achieved is sitting at a keyboard and they dictate your behavior. They influence you to buy, to consume, to think a certain way where that critical thinking part of your brain no longer works. And they've shown in active MRIs of the brain that people are losing the ability to critically think. They're going to their, their the, the, the motor uh, neuronal packeting of their arm. They're looking for their phone to figure out what they think, what they feel, how they should view things. And it be, it's becoming more and more bizarre and confusing, and I don't believe it's sustainable. It's not. Right? It's not. You guys hear, hear, hear me? I'm talking to different people who don't have basic abilities to figure things out. A goes to B, B goes to C. Without reaching for their device. And even now I've noticed when they reach for the device and they're offered instructions, because there's no visceral connection, it still doesn't work. I was showing a kid the other day how to turn a wrench. Look, look at his phone, and he held the wrench sideways, backwards, and askew from the screw. Do you know how a wrench works? Uh, not really. I don't blame them anymore. This is what's happening. It, it's the disease. So cancel culture is a natural outbirth of us not taking a stand. Yes, if we go back to the beginning uh, years ago, cancel culture was the civil rights movement. That gave birth to what we call the cancel, the civil rights movement. And even movements before that, the women's suffragette movement was cancel culture. Canceled the abuse of women, the marginalization of women. Nobody's against the, uh, the suffragette movement. Cancel culture. Uh, human rights struggles are all cancel culture. Cancel the behavior, right? But at some point, it's taken a detour. And now you remember, what was different between the suffragette movement, the civil rights movement, human rights movement? What was different? The workers' movement. What is different now in that council culture than then? Well, then everybody had skin in the game. You know, women got killed so that women could be treated as uh, equal citizens. No one died opposing civil rights. None of the people that were against voting rights and civil rights ever died. The cancel culture people died to forward their view. They were willing to risk their life and their lives were taken. And they had examples of people whose lives were taken, maimed, mutilated in order to advance a cause that they would not immediately benefit from themselves. So they had vestment in their struggle. In this evolution of this concept of cancel culture, these are invisible people behind the digital wall that are just saying random things. And it's very bizarre. I put them on the level of a peeping Tom or a crank caller or whatever you call it. A, what, do you, what do they call it? A 
what, what, what happened when those guys claim they're healthy and they come and date you and it's just some dude that's really in bad shape with his kids in tow? Catfish. Yeah, so Caitlin gets catfished, you see? So they do, what's the other term they use? They have another one, catfished and something else, um, where they, false, they, they trick people into doing stuff. Anyway, so there's a few terms they use now that represent this kind of behavior, catfishing, uh, false flagging, um, uh, horn tooting or whatever. They have that different name. So why, how did we get involved in this? Because we don't know ourselves. You're looking outside yourself for other people to tell you what's okay and what's not okay. You know, and, and I go through it every day. And because I have a lot of good commerce with people and goodwill with people, I probably get away with a lot more stuff than other people because I have backup of people that I have actually put skin in the game with. But I could easily be canceled for saying the wrong thing or speaking my mind. But who would they cancel me from? My community is clear, loving, and all that. I'm not looking for a bunch of people to tell me I'm okay. So that gives you freedom from cancel culture. Find your own path. Find like-minded people. Nurture that path. And you will find that you can argue, you can have, uh, not necessarily argue, but you can have healthy discourse. You can have heated discussions that enlighten everyone. And nobody storms away saying, okay, you should, you should be killed, isolated, sent to Devil's Island, Wake Island somewhere because you didn't use the right pronoun. Or you told a bad joke when you were in third grade. And thus, you should never, ever be able to have a livelihood. So I think that's ridiculous. But at the same time, I don't think we should discount when a person is a foul player. And that's where the free market comes in. Years ago, they found out that uh, one of these fashion icons um, had, had, had disparaged their customers. They had predominantly African-American customers. I don't know if it was Versace or... One of those people, what's what's the one with the scary looking lady? Um, that would be Versace. Yeah, so she was saying things about uh, the jiggers or whatever. And people recorded it and people stopped buying her clothes. So that's how it works. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. How about that? Remember? How about that? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. You get what I'm saying? Um there's a lot of stuff I have. I've had uh, people, um, a really dear person to me that worked at my other location, very supportive, um, came up one day and, and sincerely said, Z, you know, I, um, I, I love you like an uncle to me. You're just great. You're wonderful to me, but, but I need you to acknowledge uh, my sexual identity. I said, what, you're you cute-ass girl. You're funny. She said, oh, no, I'm a boy. I said, okay, that's weird. Uh, I've slapped enough babies' asses when they were born pretty set on what they are. But over time, I kind of understood this person's struggle. Mind you, I understood it. That doesn't mean I go for it. Because I'm okay with myself. I'm okay with you. How about you keep your sexual stuff personal? See, I'm your uncle, so there's no incestuous stuff. Now, I don't want to know all that stuff. Matter of fact, a lot of heterosexual people, I don't want to know what they're doing when I'm not, you know, in their privacy. 
I really don't want to do other people's laundry personally. So will you cancel me for that? Should I not be okay with your soiled garments? No, these things are personal. These things are done in the privacy of your intimate life. That's where I get off the train. Everybody needs to know where they get off the train at. Then we don't have to cancel anybody. There's, um, there's an interesting thing going around to that point. Uh, <laughs> apparently there's a discussion taking place now that if you won't date a trans person simply because they're trans, you're transphobic. No matter how much respect you have for the person or the community, no matter how much you support their struggle, if you won't date them simply because they're trans, you're transphobic. So? <laughs> so? But they don't do anything for me. I mean, whoever this is, that's, I, I don't know who made up this rule. You see what I'm saying, Jante? There's a discussion in the ether sphere now by the faceless committee. I imagine there's a bunch of trolls sitting in a hovel somewhere around a porta potty, <laughs> eating Cheetos and drinking Red Bull. They just find stuff to make up and then they make it go viral. I believe this is what's happening. It might be three or four people that get all this to. This is the most utterly ridiculous thing I've heard. And to even, to even entertain it, you understand what I'm saying, is maddening. But this is the world we live in. So I would say reject, reject, reject. Their power is in your reaction. Get off the train. When it gets weird, I'm gone. Okay, it just used to be like when I was in the train business, you go to these Hollywood parties. So you go to the Hollywood parties, they said, well, you have to hobnob with the executives and celebrities. So you go there, hey, how's everybody going? Then around midnight, you're getting sleep, it's time to go. And they say, oh no, another party's starting. It's kind of exclusive. That was my cue to leave, because that's when they were bringing out the goats, the donkeys, the sheeps, and the rabbits. And it wasn't going to be cute. Okay? Hamsters and cocaine, KY jelly doesn't mix well in my mind. So I would always leave at that time. I knew when to call it a day because I'm okay. They said, oh, Z, you're leaving? A few people told me, you know, you could really advance your career if you stayed later. And that was a kind of a code, gaslighting is the thing, the term I was thinking. That's one of the code names for getting involved in some real... Um, kind of Greek weird stuff, right? Some uh, Caligula type stuff. That's not my thing. But I'm not mad at him because I know some of the people. I'm not mad. That's just not my thing. Because you know what? I know who I am. And Jante, when you mention that, one of the ways that we stay away from that is know who you are. Mm -hmm. That very discussion, the minute I hear the first paragraph, I know that I'm not going to read that article anymore. Okay? So, whether you're phobic, phobic, notophobic, homophobic, transphobic, look, I can't keep up with it. Right? Vegophobic. Somebody said, are you vegophobic? I don't even know what that means. There, I, I'm telling you, there's a group of people, a small group of people, 
in a in a small dumb tank. It's not a think tank. It's a dumb tank, and they're making up this stuff. But we're buying it. That's the problem. We're buying it. You've seen what's happened to politics in this country. And they said that most of the political discourse has come from remote offshore, um, what do they call them, mills or whatever, uh, uh, these kind of internet mills where they just have just random people, maybe offshore, somebody uh, just uh, coming up with stuff. Pumping out articles that have nothing to do with anything. And you're reading it, getting mad. Right. It takes that algorithm, finds out whether you're Democrat or Republican, and it just keeps pumping you stuff. Mm -hmm. More, more, more. Once it gets, it's like the time I got dysentery in India. No shit. I told you that story. So I'm in the Holy Lake in Pushkar, right? I'm at the Camel Fest in Pushkar, and I want to show off my religious piety, right? So I jump in the great holy river or the holy lake at Pushkar with all the gurus, the samwamis, the sat gurus, and I jump in there with them for the holy, uh, whatever event we were having. And they're splashing around in the water. Here's the difference. They grew up there. Okay, I'm just visiting. I don't have the antibodies in me to fight off the dysentery parasite in that part of the world, okay? So like this stuff you guys are doing on the Twittergram and all this other kind of stuff. I jump in the lake and I'm getting bit by something. The lake is filthy. My, what we would call now, what we call a cesspool. There they call it a lake. But because I wanted to show off that I was super spiritual, there were cute girls, you get the gist. So I'm, I'm full bore in here um, what they call, what, what's the new term they use? Um, virtue signaling, right? I'm, I'm virtue signaling. I'm just so saintly. Look at me, you know? So I asked one of the gurus there, I said, hey, man, do those big ass turtles bite? There's some big turtles in the water. I'm getting bit. He says, no, sir, but the fish do. So the fish are biting me. And I'm worried because nothing in this lake looked like it should survive in that lake. You understand? So this is a moment where I wasn't focused on who I am. I was focused on the image I wanted to create. So I'm struggling to get out of the lake and it's overgrown with all sorts of weeds and things underneath. When I realize that I'm being attacked by something like a piranha or something. And as I'm trying to get out of the lake, even though I have uh, superhuman balance and athleticism, I slip in the lake and gulp a small drop of the water. And like this, these info mills that you ki the kids are producing, I could feel the parasites running around my lip. I tried to close my mouth and not breathe or swallow long enough to get to my hotel room to get the anti-parasitic toxins I uh, toxic antitoxin I didn't make it it went down my throat I had the worst case of de uh, dysentery which also includes explosive projectile diarrhea the worst three days of my life okay what did I do I lost the sense of myself I sipped from the dirty water that's the same thing people do when they buy into this Madness online, what John Tay said. Just a ridiculous concept somebody came up with. 
And now if you don't know who you are, the next thing you're going to be dating, you're going to be dating Bubba Tootsie Brown. <laughs> Just to prove a point. I'm not transphobic. Just to prove you're not transphobic, you got you to gotta date Bubba Tootsie Brown. Just got off the NFL, but he's feeling like a girl. So that's okay. Not against it. But if you're not into it, you ain't into it. Is that a problem? Apparently it is. It's not a problem. I got to tell you, it's not a problem. It's not a problem that, that, that I'm a vegetarian and, 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 and you like uh, Kentucky Fried. It's not a problem. We just don't sit down and eat together. Know your boundaries. Know when to get off the train. Know when the Hollywood party turns bad. It's the witching hour. Right around midnight, you should be heading home. Cocaine and KY jelly. And hamsters. Okay, it's going to get real weird, and you can never go back from that. See, a lot of people can never come back from that experience. Right. It's too hard on the brain. Right. It's too hard on the soul. You, get, you compromise your ethics, your dignity, your soul. You gave it all up mm -hmm. to entertain others, hoping that you would be accepted mm -hmm. into the crew of the damned. Right? So knowing yourself, you can avoid all of this. Have a list of your ethics, your limits, your commandments. What do you believe? And most people can't answer that. Right. And once you can answer that, then you're safe. You have, you've been vaccinated from these, this viral loading of madness. They can't cancel you unless you care about who they are. Bingo. If you're a business owner, if you're all that, yeah, you're dealing with the general public commerce. Uh, Yelp has already been known to cancel people. You can give people bad Yelp reviews. People pay you now for good Yelp reviews. So as a business owner, you might want to back off your Yelp signature. Right? Back off your Yelp signature a little bit. We can take control of our lives again. And on, inversely, if you're <clears throat> a hate-filled person promoting certain genocidal views and you want to expose yourself, know what's going to come, right? But you, if you back it off a little bit, you'll attract your small group of people, and you can nurture that. Yeah. Don't bother anybody. There are many religions. Look, there's a religion called Mormonism, right? Like you be a Mormon. They believe that at the moment of death, you turn white and you enter heaven. Ain't no black people in heaven. Mormons don't really bother anybody. Mick Romney... They have six, seven wives. I'm for that. That's that's kind of cool. They have a great book called The Ten Talents of a Woman. Shows them how to cook, how to save money. It's actually a pretty good book. If you can get over the bad fashion choices. <laughs> but there's some good stuff in there. You know, they do wear like holy underwear or something. So if God comes, they, they'll yeah. be dressed. The all white onesie. Yeah, so they'll be dressed. So, But that's their thing and they're not bothering anybody. They don't really bother anybody. I've had a few Mormon girlfriends. They don't really bother anybody. It's a weird belief, but they don't bother anybody. Mm -hmm. Now, on, on the other hand, there are other people trying to force you. I remember somebody walking down the street and, and just confronting me. Do, do you take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? If not, I can't speak to you. Mm -hmm. I hate you. Mm -hmm. I say, well, what kind of damn reason? Well, yes, I won't go with that church. The, uh, the black Hebrews are two blocks down from me every weekend. Oh, yeah, they're, they're ranting and raving. Brother, 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 you haven't given up that white Jesus yet. I, I don't... 
You don't know me, dude. You don't know me. You're loud. You're weird. You dress weird. Go away. Right. You should pay child support. How about you just pay child support and leave me alone? But, um, you know, there's all kinds. Once you know yourself, you can deal with life like you walk through the farmer's market. Certain things I'm buying at the farmer's market, certain things I ain't touching. I'm going to get the tangerines and the tempeh, but I'm going to leave the goat butt and snout alone over there, the raw gut butt. I mean, that's not for me, but it is for somebody else. Thanks for your marks. Boom, fine. Okay? So then it goes to the idea, if we know ourselves, we can avoid the cancel culture. And also remember that the cancel culture had very, very noble beginnings. The difference is that the people who are involved in it now are invisible and they are unwilling to sacrifice. If they were willing to sacrifice, they would come from the shadows of these internet caverns. They'd come out of the cave and they'd be in the light and they'd announce themselves with a face, a location, an address, and a backstory. And they open themselves also to the scrutiny, scrutiny they visit upon others. Then is even Stephen. But if they're not doing that, there's no, there's nothing I want to talk about. So these people were telling you, because you don't, you don't want to date Bubba Sally or whoever it is, uh, that you're transphobic. I, I don't even know what that means. This phobic thing. Why, why do we even use that term? Right. And then I, I feel, again, I, I don't own the truth, but here's my thing. As an African guy, as an obvious black person, the stuff I've had to endure in my life on top of maintaining my dignity. Mm-hmm. See, everybody deals with it. Most people lose their dignity. Mm-hmm. It's, you're going to be real hard pressed to come and tell me a rougher story than my life. And I'm a happy person to have many friends. So if you're mad because somebody doesn't want to date you because you traded your cleats for high heels, I, I just can't feel a lot of sympathy for you. Whatever it is, I'm not mocking anybody, trust me, right. because it's just not my business. It's just not my business. There are people who prefer to date certain kind of people. There are people that go to AsianDating.com. Some people go to Overweight.com. That's their choice. That's their business. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to say about their business. Right? So if we get back in our own lanes, take ownership of our own self, we will find that we don't have to be a part of that. There are these parallel worlds working. It's like being in a science fiction movie. There's many dimensions. Right. right? There used to be an old TV show called The Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And for those of us who weren't raised in this, this is like being in The Twilight Zone. Just to hear the story you told me is bizarre. Whoa. I remember you used to argue, you and Rob used to argue with people on the Twitter gram. Yeah, he would get in heated debates. He would come in and upset, worked up, hyperventilating, telling me, oh, I just got in this heated discussion argument with the guy. I said, well, did you go over his house and beat his ass? Did you go knock on his door? And did you guys have it out? Did you settle it like two gentlemen in a duel? No, no, he's in Croatia online so how do you know it's a dude 
How do you know it's not a bot? Why would you even invest your energy in that? Right? We have to remember there is no liability to saying random things. Nobody can come to you. And for some people, they may even find that invigorating that they're agitating people. They may have some sick, sadistic pleasure in just agitating people. So don't give them that. Yeah, troll. That's a horrible name. Just a troll. I used to be trolls living under a bridge. That's disgusting. So, Avian Van, my thing is know yourself. Understand the subject or topic with enough depth to have a reasonable discussion about it. And if you don't have the depth, step back and listen. Also, if something doesn't feel right, it doesn't smell right, it doesn't look right, it's probably not right. No matter what anyone else says. For these people who are now ran with something that was noble in the beginning and and, and are really wrecking it, cancel them by not giving them what's most important to them is attention. How about that? You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I got you, Z. I'm right there with you. This whole trend towards cancel culture, it's it's spiraled out of control. I like your take on the noble beginnings and how it started. Number one, you can cancel people who are violating human rights, who are threatening you, so whose actions or symbols suggest that they're going to come after you, try and kill you, take out your family. That makes sense. Get those people aside. This element of sacrifice in the beginning, uh, yeah, you believe certain things and you're willing to stand up for those beliefs and you're willing to put your name out there, take a certain risk, a liability. There's some honor behind that. But we've gotten to this complete bizarro world, as we've been talking about, where people are just canceled for anything. And it's to me, part of it is just the craziness of it. It's crazy on so many levels. Uh, So number one, it's like, why do you get so upset about ideas? So someone's got a different point of view, who cares? Now, maybe that comes back to knowing yourself. If you know who you are and you're clear on who you are, you can listen to these other ideas. You can be fluid enough to say, okay, maybe there's some merit in what someone else is saying. I'm going to adjust my point of view. Or maybe there's not and I'll move on. And I have no need to invest the time and energy debating them. I, I can just go my own way. But when you feel like you constantly have to prove something or the ego gets involved or you're unsure of who you are and there's some insecurity related to that, maybe you feel like the rug is being pulled out from under you. So all you have is a certain set of views that you've been fed. And when someone challenges those views or tells you something different, uh, it's kind of like your identity is crumbling and this whole construct that you've built is falling apart. Maybe it's that. I don't really know. Like I said, I find the whole behavior completely bizarre. Why people aren't willing to listen to other points of view. Why they're not willing to listen to jokes, as you're saying. This whole thing about offense, yeah, you might not like what someone has to say, but so what? They're not trying to beat you down. Uh, They're not trying to steal from you. They're not compromising your livelihood. So just let it go. That's the whole point of society. Uh, We have different points of view, different ideas, different perspectives. You bring all of those together, yeah, maybe there's some conflict, but there's also some revolu- uh, Sorry, resolution. There's some advancement in thinking. 
Uh, that's how we move forward. And when you start stifling all of that, people get all knotted up. So that natural process of being able to fluidly advance disappears, and you start to stagnate, and you become unable, as we talked about earlier, to express your ideas. You become unsure of yourself. There's a tremendous amount of anxiety if you're seeking validation. If you want other people to like you and that's your standard, you're thinking, oh my God, what am I going to say? How do I make sure that I'm not violating some norm that these people in a back room have come up with, some principle that, uh, like the one that Jante mentioned, or some other crazy rule, who knows where it came from, but someone's going to take offense. So I really have to be very careful about how I present myself. How can you live like that? You're going to drive yourself totally insane. You're going to take up all of your time and your energy just censoring your thoughts. And ultimately, the natural outcome of this is that you don't say anything. Or you say things that are so utterly devoid of meaning that they have no ability to offend anyone because they just don't mean anything. And then what kind of a world are we living in? We're living in a world where there's no advancement of thinking. Uh, there's no refinement of intellect. So to me, it's extremely bizarre. I really like your point about knowing yourself because if you know yourself, you can navigate the stuff and just walk past it. It's kind of like a car accident on the freeway. Or I think about this morning, I was out having breakfast with my wife and I heard this crunching sound. So this car was pulling out. Uh, some SUV came and clipped it. They wanted to get by the car. They were in a rush to get by. So as this car, it actually wasn't pulling out. If I remember correctly, it was parking. So as it was parking, this SUV came by and hit it and beat up the fender. And you kind of saw this real-time accident, which you don't see that often. So people are stopping and clogging up the street and to me, it's just not interesting. It's like, okay, you got a minor accident. They'll work it out. Uh, but people are stopping. That, to me, is the analog of getting involved in all these debates. If you know what's important to you, then you can filter everything else out, and it just saves you a lot of time and energy. You feel secure about yourself. You don't get mired down in these ridiculous debates. Uh, who the hell cares? So most of the stuff, it's not that interesting. It's not stuff that we have to get involved in. If you put the ego aside, there's nothing to prove. And Z, your point about listening, I think, is critical as well. Uh, people, in my view, are afraid to listen. So if you don't have an informed opinion, if you don't have all the facts, maybe sit back, gather some knowledge, listen to what other people have to say. Uh, but if you're driven by the ego and you have to prove how smart you are, then you have to grip onto some ideology, some philosophy. You have to shout that more and more loudly to prove your point. Uh, to prove that you know more than the other person, and then you just get into these shouting matches. So all of this, the good news is we can avoid it, we can sidestep it. The bad news is that it's becoming more pervasive, and it's shutting down reasonable debate and just basic, basic social commerce. Uh, the way that we interact with people is changing. It's driving polarization, because if you're not willing to engage with certain types of people, then guess what? You live in your own worlds, in your own bubbles. You don't have that visceral loop, so you're not getting feedback in terms of what's actually going on with the other side. And so you imagine that there are these horrible, devil-worshipping people, uh, and you just get farther and farther apart. So there are these real-world implications. I guess what I'm wondering, Z, you know, I've got my own views about why people find ideas and discourse so threatening 
But what's your view? I mean, why has this gotten so bad uh, to the point where there feels like there's this constant blanket of censorship, there's a pressure to say something that aligns with what other people are thinking? Where is this fear coming from of just being open to listening to other ideas? Well, we're no longer in the age of reason. We're in the, we're in the age of ignorance. Just like with the rise of the influencer, uh, we talked a few weeks ago about the rise of the anti-hero. There are no heroes right now. Um, we don't value that. We don't value the noble sacrifice. Thus, the rise of the unappointed, unelected, unidentified dictators of social norms and behavior that is going to feed us a very bland diet that feeds the ignorance and it consumes it. You have the deep polarization that has never ever existed since people have been keeping up with this. That we are no longer reasonable people. We are rewarded for ignorance. Look at the amount of coverage the uh, Prince Harry and things and the uh, the Kanye thing gets in the news. These people have no relevance. They affect your life in no way at all. Gas prices are going up while the, a, a barrel of gas has gone down and that's not even in the news. This is something that affects people every day. You talked about all that the same way. Those same people also step over a dead body. We had a homeless guy die uh, outside our door uh, or, a few, or a few doors down, a block or two down. I guess they stepped over his body for about a day and a half uh, until um, you know somebody realized that the body was bloating or whatever. I think I stepped over three or four times. Uh, it's just because it just didn't have anything to do with me. But I'm I'm, I'm not going to stop and look at a car wreck either. Of course, I'm a car builder unless I need a spare part, and it just happens to be there. But we we we're in this age where we are very binary. We're this or that. We're absolutists with ignorance, which is a very dangerous place. People have now become extremely partisan, not only in politics, but in all layer of social views. You're either for us or against us. It leaves no room to grow, to develop, to expand, to express. If you grow a plant in a vase, as that plant starts to flourish, you need to give space in that vase. You need to replant it somewhere else or it will die. It will, it will poison itself. That's what will happen in nature. We are now in a stage where many people are poisoning themselves. And the cure is get space, get air. I challenge everyone just for a few days, if you're really a partisan type person and you want to hear all the bad news about, let's say, the Republicans, don't do that. Just for a week. Find all the bad news on the people you like. And if you're a Republican, go into the history of all the people that, that you defend and then overlay that with what are your ethics. What are the things you admire about a leader, about a statesman? What are the qualities of people that you look up to? And then do give yourself that opportunity to get some space in that vase and grow as a human being. Because all of us can be influenced by this. 
A lot of this phobic, phobic stuff is going around. Everybody was raised different ways. You have different sensibilities, maybe different morals. That doesn't make one better than the other as long as what makes it better or worse is are you hurting other people? Can you live your life, interact with others without forcing your views on them? Is your daily life dependent on random people validating you and giving you the okay? And if they don't do that, do you lash out? So if you ask yourself some of these questions, you can start becoming more reasonable. Be one of reason and not one of a reason, no reason. Be a person that's intelligent, not a person that is ignorant. But remember, the crowdsourcing of ignorance is very powerful. The crowdsourcing of intelligence is very low. There is a reason for this, Vin, and you know from just driving the economy. If you're ignorant, you consume. If you're intelligent, you conserve. But we also live in an upside-down world where conservative used to mean one thing and it means something completely different now. Liberal used to mean one thing and it now means something completely different. So we're in the upside-down world right now. And to write it, you need to know it's upside-down and step away and make small adjustments. Know when to take a technology break. It has a negative influence on our brain. Done. That's it. Can you let your brain air out, rest, separate from the extension of your mind? And again, it's a struggle for everyone. Since we've been on this Dharma Media Project the last few years, I spent a lot of time on the internet and it's consuming. It can draw you in. It's an extension of your own mind. And then that part of your brain no longer works. It's just like if you go to gym to work out and you go in, you sign a gym workout and somebody works out for you. That's the same thing, that's the same thing smart devices do with your brain. You have a surrogate working out for you. Oh, you want to you want a bench press today. Sign up to bench press and I'm going to get old Brutus over there. He's going to bench press. How many reps you want to do? Then you leave saying that was a great workout. You're not going to benefit from that. We have to exercise our mind and get back to it. We do need to turn off the media. Even now when people send you articles and it says, it might not even be written by that person. That's how good it is. But they know from algorithms what you like to hear, what you listen to. Just with that bit of knowledge, Vin, if you know that the algorithm knows what makes you swipe more, what do they call it, bait, hook, hook, bait, click, clickbait, clickbait. They know the clickbait for you. They've built a cyber version of you, and then they influence you. If you know that's how it's set up, take a breather. I like to trick it. I look up random stuff sometimes I have no interest in at all, just to see what the thing does. And sure enough, the next day it's selling me um, kumquats from Latvia. Right? I get Latvian kumquat porn or something. Because I trick the algorithm. It's not smarter than we are. No. We're just dumber than we think. I think to that, because um, I've been in that digital marketing space for a minute now, 
all the people that I know who use this thing as a tool and we work on it, we build brand, whatever it is we do, we've learned how to tailor our feeds mm -hmm. to keep certain shit out, allow certain shit in. Over the last four years, I've tailored all of my social media feeds to exclude anything political. Liberal, conservative, I don't care. There's no political anything in my feed because I refuse to get caught up in it. Currently, I'm tailoring out all the sexuality conversation, all the gender conversation, because I work here. I don't need the extra distraction. So I think when you know that, that the algorithm can be adjusted, that it's not smarter than you, and when you know yourself, there's this, you can turn it into a tool that's strictly a workspace, that's strictly a space mm -hmm. of inspiration, of whatever it is you do. But too many people are caught up in the quick shot of dopamine, in the quick shot of, I, I wanna feel accepted and validated, so I'm part of this group, and I'm in this conversation, and I'm, when they have nothing to even add to the conversation. There's, there's a lot of that in this space. That's a good point, uh, Jante, you brought up, is why that Vin and I decided when we started this, we would not get into politics. Though they, there may be a hint of it uh, dealing with the contemporary social issues. But as I work with people every day and deal with their mental health and brain function, whenever politics comes up, I've never seen it to be a good thing. Because you see the galvanic skin resistance in a person change. You see the pallor of skin change. You know that the dopamine is being fired up, that the uh, glucocorticoids are being released in the body, the adrenaline gland is being fired up, just the same way if, as if it were a fight-or-flight scenario and there was a predator lurking at your door. I hear the way people will say right-winger or left-winger. I see somebody say the Democrats did this or the Republicans did that. And I think to myself, I always say, wow, these are intelligent people. Don't they know that all of these politicians, the whole political category of people, are sociopaths and psychopaths. And they all leave the office wealthy no matter how they've pillaged the nation. They are anti-patriots. They may have started good, but once they went past 12 o'clock at that Hollywood party... Once the witching hour, they stayed past the witching hour, they've done things they can never walk back from. So whatever you call ethical or moral, whatever you dream that is, they no longer have that. They will say what they need to say, when they, how they need to say it to advance their own individual interests. That's why we chose not to do it, and this can be proven scientifically. At some later date, I can present the data um, our brains react chemically to all of this. We lose the ability to reason. We become, we have tunnel vision. We end up doing things we would normally not do. Right. I'm sure if you interviewed a lot of those people who rushed D.C., once they're locked up in jail and they're getting cavity searched, they're all saying, what, what was I doing? I didn't even know what I was doing. They, they're all saying the same thing. I had no idea what I was doing. How did I get caught up in this? So we, we, by understanding the nature of our mind and knowing who we are, we can stay clear of this madness. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I, com I completely agree that uh, that clarity is important. One thing I'll take issue with you on, Z, the kumquat porn from Latvia or wherever the hell it was, 
I think the algorithm knows you better than you think. So I don't know if that's the best example. That's probably an example of the algorithm predicting your behavior pretty well. Uh, but point, point taken. Uh, we can't let uh, the algorithms uh, control what we're doing. Uh, why would you let someone manipulate you, get you all riled up? You know, I kind of think about it. It's like being with siblings. If you have an older sibling and a younger one, uh, you've got the older one who knows how to push the buttons and get a reaction out of the younger one, and they keep on doing it. And it's like dealing with a pet or a robot. It's stimulus response. But if you step back and you know that that's what's going on, you can do what we're talking about. You can opt out of this craziness. You can reclaim control of who you are. So having that that clarity of you, your beliefs, your ethics, your values gets you a long way. And as I think about this, maybe just a note to end on, in a sense, we've always had this issue. So if we go back pre-internet, there were always things that were socially acceptable and not socially acceptable. We talk about cancel culture. Maybe that's a particular phenomenon, but you've got this broader issue of people being put into boxes and having labels assigned to them and others trying to control them and saying, this is who you are, this is what you can say, this is what you can do. So that's always been part of human nature. What's happened with the technology, like a lot of things, it's allowed this trend to spiral out of control because you lose that visceral loop that we've been talking about. The technology enables people who just want to tear down others. And maybe it's the weakest people. Uh, Maybe, as you're saying, it's the ones who can't bust a grape and feel like, wow, this is their chance. Uh, No one can track them down. They can hide behind this veil of anonymity. They can say whatever they want. They can be the big men, the big women. And they've got some sense of strength, even though it's an artificial sense of strength. And again, if you know that, why would you take any of this seriously? But maybe we're just so used to reacting and we're in the habit of taking a look at everything that's coming on our feeds, all the news updates, uh, all the articles, uh, that we just react and we almost become feral. So if we can step back from that feral reaction, create a little bit of that distance that we're talking about, and be clear on who we are, then we're in a much stronger position. We're not going to sacrifice our sense of self and let someone else control our behavior. We'll have a lot more clarity. We'll have a lot more fluidity. We can take ideas. We can leave ideas. It's not going to make or break us. And as we talk about, it's just a healthier way to be. We don't have to deal with the anxiety, the increase in blood pressure, getting all riled up. Just let other people do what they want to do. We can focus on us live our own lives. So that's it for me, Z. I'd say you know, that was a great one. And let's leave everybody with homework. Is a technology break, pick a few days a week where you just, you're not on technology, you're not connecting. Um, do your voicemail. Hey, I'm indisposed right now. Um, I'll check my messages later. And start healing your brain. The next thing is the idea of knowing who you are. What are the things, the underlying things that you believe in? What do you believe? Not what other people believe. Not what's okay or not. What do you believe? Uh, Do you believe that part of your life is to do your best not to inflict harm on others, for example? Do you follow some sort of credo, some sort of uh, idea about the way you behave, the way you keep your word, um, 
And then what are the things that you look for in the people that you invite into your life or allow into your sphere? Do you hold them to a similar standard or what is the wiggle room you have for that? I was told years ago, uh, and it was like something that someone had said to a woman just dating advice. If you want to know a man, observe how he treats the wait staff in the restaurant when he takes you out to dinner. And at some point, that's how he's going to treat you. That's a good ethic to live by. That's a good metric to live by. If you see somebody and they're mistreating other people, but you believe they're making concessions for you or you make concessions, then, then there's a problem with that. So the homework is to define who you are separate from the outside forces. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.